0: Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Romans with this message entitled, The Way of Salvation. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 4. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, once we were away from your presence we were in darkness we were dead we were without god and without hope we were anxious we were troubled but thank you that you by the work of your son brought us to your presence and because we are your children and because we are given access to your presence we are people of hope we are people of comfort we are people of life everlasting we are people of your guidance and we are able to resist the devil and he shall flee from us We are fearless before death and before judgment. We have been justified by Christ's death on the cross. Amen. The only way of salvation. Friends, there is no diversity in God's plan of saving us. There are different religions in the world. Teaching different ways of to achieve salvation from God's wrath. Even Christian denominations, whether Roman Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, even evangelical people, are subscribing to this idea that there exists different ways of going to God. Except Orthodox Christianity, all these religions and denominations teach salvation by self-effort, by human good works. Even the famous Schofield Bible used to teach that in different dispensations, God used different ways for people to be saved. I was brought up on that Bible. And that in the present dispensation of grace, God saves sinners through their faith in Jesus Christ. But this passage, Romans four twenty-three to 25, teaches that there is no diversity in God's salvation program. There is only singularity there is only one way of salvation it is the way god the the father through his son jesus who declared i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me there is only one true way of salvation Not only for Abraham, who lived in 2000 B.C., but all peoples of the world, Jews and Gentiles. Abraham's salvation, that is justification by faith alone, is the pattern for all the peoples of the world. Notice he was not justified by his good works, not justified by circumcision not justified by keeping the law he believed God and his promises and we are told it was credited to him for righteousness Abraham believed in God's promise promise to him of a Messiah and so He was justified. I want to speak to you two things, two points. History. Point number one history, that is, history of Abraham. Point number two, the application from this history of Abraham. So look at verse 23 of Romans 4 the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone but also for us. There it is history and application. In Genesis 15 verse 6 we read, Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord credited it for righteousness. It is a part of the history of Abraham. And this passage is quoted in Romans 4 a number of times. Verse 3, verse 9, and verse 22. In other words, this verse, Genesis 15, 6, is foundational to Paul's teaching on God's singular way of salvation for all peoples of the world. Abraham was chosen to illustrate God's only way of salvation that is the way of justification by faith alone plus, 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 nothing, nothing. Not only Abraham Moses, David, Paul, and every true child of God in every age is justified, saved, declared righteous the way Abraham was justified. I said, There is one God, there is one people of God, and there is only one way of salvation, no diversity. One way of salvation. The way of faith in the word of God. So biblical history is important. We cannot ignore the Old Testament. There are people who travel with just the New Testament. And some people travel not even the whole New Testament. A couple of epistles, that's all they want. Such people are ignorant of God's way. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. There is promise and there is fulfillment. There is only one way of salvation. And it was illustrated by Abraham. That is we ought to be saved the way Abraham was saved. By faith. In the gospel of God's promise. So let us look at the meaning of biblical history. Let's turn to chapter 15 of. Romans. Verse 4. For everything that was written in the past. Having reference especially to the Old Testament. Was written to teach us. So that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. If I don't have endurance, it is because I neglect God's word, the Old Testament. Now as well as the New Testament. There it is, meaning of history. Turn to First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 9 and 10 for it is written in the law of Moses do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain and we have a booklet coming out the joy of Christian giving do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us. Doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest significance, the meaning of history 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11, these things happen to them as examples and were written down by divine inspiration, written down as a warning to us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come 2 in 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 all scripture they are of course having reference to the Old Testament all scripture is God breathed God spoken and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, meaning of history, historical revelation. Turn to the book of Psalms 78, Psalms 78, beginning with verse 3. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Biblical revelation. Redemptive history is meaningful to all of us. So Abraham's justification by faith was not unique. It was not a private affair. Justification by faith is God's single universal plan of salvation. He believed God's promise of a son. He believed in God's promise of a Messiah, a Savior. We are told that he believed in God who raises the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. Jesus himself said, he desired to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. There you see that in some way, by faith, Abraham saw the day of Jesus Christ, his life and his death and his resurrection. In the virtual death and resurrection of Isaac on Mount Moriah, in a sense, by faith, Abraham saw the death and resurrection of his greater son, Jesus Christ, his savior. Why? God directed Abraham to go to Moriah. Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son Isaac. You should think about it. God had a purpose. It was also the place David was directed to sacrifice God to receive mercy that he may be spared of death. Yes. And then we read in 2nd Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1, it was on Mount Moriah, the temple was built where sacrifices were offered to God for mercy, which foreshadowed the sacrifice of Christ. It was there also Jesus Christ was crucified for the sins of all God's elect. Simply put friends, Abraham was saved by faith in the promised Messiah, the Messiah who died and rose again. So point number two is the application of this historical record of Abraham's justification. So we read, it was written for us also to whom God will credit righteousness. That is to us who believe God. Notice it, who believe God. Abraham believed God, Moses believed God, David believed God, Paul believed God, we believe God. Jew and Gentile must believe God. God here means God the Father. Friends, don't forget, we Christians believe in a triune God. Unlike Judaism and Mohammedanism. And every other monotheistic religion. We believe in one God existing in three persons. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Many Christians talk about Jesus Christ and not. Do not pay sufficient attention to God the Father and the Holy Spirit. So here Paul says, It was written for us also, to whom God will credit righteousness, we who believe in God the Father. Yes, we believe also in Jesus Christ. You read that in chapter 3, verse 22 and verse 26. Paul says we are to believe continually in God the Father. Let me tell you, it was God the Father's plan to save us. Don't ignore him. The Son agreed to become incarnate and die for our sins. And the Holy Spirit applies this Christ accomplished redemption to each elect sinner in time. We are told the work of Jesus Christ is to bring us to God. 1 Peter 3 and verse 18. That is the work of Jesus Christ, to bring us to God the Father. For Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. Now the purpose. To bring you to God. So it is written for us also that we may be justified by faith in God the Father. The faith that justifies does these things, believes in God the Father, believes in His promises. Only God we can trust because God cannot lie. God is not man. God cannot lie. God cannot die. Trust in him. You are a fool, whoever you are, if you will not trust in God and his promises. Faith believes in God the Father, believes in his promises, and it is also a faith that gives glory to God. We read in the history of Abraham he gave glory to God believes specifically in God the Father's work read it of raising Jesus our Lord from the dead the singular importance of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ you can never be saved without believing In the physical literal resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that father raised him from the dead. This justifying faith believes. In this particular truth. Of the physical resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And without believing in the literal physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. No one can be justified. That rules out almost all professors in seminaries there is a minority i'm aware of it vast majority of seminary professors do not really believe in a literal physical resurrection of jesus christ turn to romans chapter one verse three and four the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son Who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God. How? By his resurrection from the dead. Or Romans 10. I tell you that if you don't believe in the literal physical resurrection of Christ you cannot be saved. Here is... Romans 10 and verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you don't, you will not be saved. That's right. yeah. A good Jesus, a nice Jesus, a moral Jesus, an Obama's Jesus. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm showing you that the singular importance of believing in the resurrection of Christ in order to be saved. 15, 1 Corinthians, verse 3, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. Notice Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, And then to the twelve, after that he appeared to more than five hundred of brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living. They are eyewitnesses, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And notice, last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And look at verse 14 through 19. And if Christ has not been raised... Oh, this nice, sophisticated professor tells you he was a good man, he was a nice man, he was a community organizer, he was a revolutionary, and he was all that. Now, sir, you are not going to be saved. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised him that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him. If, in fact, the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. This Jesus, whom the Father raised from the dead, we are told here, is Lord of all let's look at it chapter four but also for us verse twenty four to whom god will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised jesus what our lord from the dead he doesn't say savior he says our lord he is savior that's why his name is jesus he is savior but paul says our lord Jesus our Lord when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus Paul called him Lord and he confessed him Lord Acts nine fifteen. and so he tells us in Romans 10 verse 9 if you don't believe that God raised him from the dead you cannot be saved Jesus is Lord when you confess it, you come under his rule and his government. Lord means master, honor, sovereign. He is declared by God the Father to be Son of God with power when he raised Jesus from the dead. Let me ask you this Do you confess this Jesus to be Lord, your Lord? Paul says, Our Lord. Your honor your master do you come under his rule do you confess and obey him beyond that do you confess him as God he is God do you confess him as one person in two natures divine and human Jesus is true God and true man yes he is Jesus so he is savior. He is Lord. He is God. He is God's Son. And it is the will of the Father that you believe in Him. It is His Son. Do you believe that Jesus was delivered over to death? Do you believe because of your and mine? What is it? Transgressions. Plural. Multitude of sins. Friends, it is not Judas and Pilate or Herod or the Jews or the Romans who ultimately delivered Jesus over to death. Do you believe it was God the Father who delivered him over to death on the cross and that for our salvation? Romans 8 and verse 32 and the entire chapter of Isaiah 53, Romans 8 verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Jesus Christ bore the legal penalty of our guilt. Isn't it wonderful? All our sins were put on Jesus. I said, sir, all our sins, let me hear an amen or or some kind some kind of excitement, all our sins sir, (laughs) all our sins and he was punished, he was punished for all my sins the wrath of God that was against me was poured out upon God's Son in its entirety Christ was delivered over to death by God the Father Christ my representative, Christ, my substitute. He took my place, he who was without sin. Yet he was punished for my sin. You ask why? Because God said to Adam, The day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Ezekiel 18 verse 4, the soul that sinneth, it must die. That's the reason. Christ Christ's substitutionary death. Was the design of the father. It was planned by the father. We are told even before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13.8. The lamb that was slain. From the creation of the world. Friends it was not an accident. The death of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2 and verse 23. Here St. Peter tells us, this man was handed over to you by God's what? Set purpose and foreknowledge. Not an accident, sir. The death of Jesus was not optional. It was a divine necessity. There was no other way to save us from Our sins, except by the vicarious death of the sinless Son of God. And this death of Jesus was for the benefit of God's elect. Turn with me to John chapter 6 and verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never drive away and John 17 and verse 2 here it is for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him you and I are father's gift To the son. That the son may die. In their stead. And be saved. And not only that. Christ himself loved us. He loved the church. And gave himself for her. And so. Why did the father hand over his son. To death. Here it is. Because of our transgressions. We transgressed we defiantly sinned against God but we were not punished we were spared God punished his son in our place I sinned Jesus was put to death I sinned Jesus was punished and thank God he was punished not for some of my sins but for all my transgressions past and present and future and so god is just in justifying me through faith in jesus christ you and i were barabbas i was the criminal barabbas to be executed yet i was released to go free Jesus was crucified I am free of the burden of sin and guilt and punishment no death for me no hell for me no judgment for me no wrath of God against me I am forgiven of all my sins yes I believe in God the Father who delivered over his son to death in my place for my eternal salvation yes I believe in God the father who raised Jesus Christ from the dead for my justification Jesus I confess is the son of God Jesus is the sinless man Jesus is God man and he was raised up you ask why was he raised up Saint Peter says in Acts chapter 2 verse 24 but God raised him from the dead Freeing him from the agony of death. Because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Let me tell you why. Because he was God. He was man. He was sinless. Death could not keep him in the grave. For Jesus was sinless God man. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, we have to assume that he was a sinner just like us. That he himself needed a savior. The literal physical resurrection of Jesus by the Father proves that his atoning sacrifice in our behalf was accepted by the Father. Sufficient. Christ death effectively and once for all dealt with our sins, friends, all of our sins. His resurrection guarantees our justification. No resurrection, no forgiveness, no justification. Resurrection proves that Jesus was the Son of God. It proves that Jesus was sinless. Christ died as our substitute and representative. When Christ died, we are told we died in him. When Christ rose, friends, we also rose in Jesus Christ, never to die again so Christ's resurrection proves that not only we are made alive spiritually but we shall also experience a literal physical resurrection because of Jesus' resurrection Let's read a couple of scriptures from First Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. There are so many scriptures. First Corinthians 6 and verse 14. By his power God raised the Lord from the dead. And notice. And he will raise us also. Why sir? By faith we are united to him. And Second Corinthians 4 verse 14. And here we read. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence so many ways. the unbelieving theologian the late Rudolf Bultmann said I had to read this man oh what a pain and I had to do it he was an unbeliever but a great theologian he said this A historical fact which involves a resurrection from the dead is utterly inconceivable. Because this man believed in naturalism. Because this man has been blinded by the devil that he may not see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Because this man was not justified as Abraham. Because Abraham believed God who raises the dead and creates out of nothing. (laughs) If God exists, as scripture tells us, resurrection is utterly conceivable to those whose eyes are opened by God. Let me conclude, friends. Friends, there are no different ways to God. There is no diversity in God's salvation plan. Abraham was justified by faith in God's promise of a savior, the Messiah. We are justified by the same way. We look back to God's Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised for our justification. There is only one way to God, friends. Jesus is that way. He is God, man who died and rose again to save us if you believe in God who raised Jesus from the dead you also shall be justified right now as Abraham was justified if you believe in God you shall and must believe in his son and in his resurrection so believe that Christ died for your sins and was raised for your justification Wrath of God is revealed against every sinner we are told. Either you believe in Christ who experienced wrath in your behalf. And so you are saved. Or, oh, friends, the choice. Including the bullmanians of the world. You personally and eternally suffer God's wrath. Believe in God and his son Jesus. There is no believing. Without thinking sir. God has spoken in his word. Think. Believe and be saved. Sin is absolute irrationality. I believed in God and his Christ. My sins are forgiven. All of them. I have been justified forever friends. So are you. God's wrath is no longer against me. And it's not against you, friends. When I die, I go to God. And I will also be raised physically with a glorious body. I live now by the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And he says elsewhere, to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Or let me read Romans 6, beginning with verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. We too may live a new life. That's what you are living. That's what I'm living. And later on we will come into the fullness of that resurrection life of Jesus Christ. I have victory over sin and satan so also you have victory over sin and satan revelation twelve eleven. they overcame him satan by the blood of the land and the word of their testimony and the book says resist the devil and he shall flee from you because God raised his son from the dead and that life we have i fear not death or judgment why should i jesus was paul says delivered over for my transgressions and was raised for my justification and beyond that friends this christ dwells in me the hope of glory this jesus intercedes for me in god's presence this jesus christ has poured out his holy spirit into me Guaranteeing my ultimate, eternal and complete salvation. May God grant you faith to believe and be justified. And join the company of the blessed people of God, the children of Abraham. Heavenly Father, we pray. That you help us to believe, not the lie of diversity, but the truth of singularity, one way of salvation. Help us to believe God, who raised Jesus Christ, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered over because of our transgressions, and was raised for our justification. Lord, those who are outside of Christ, open their eyes, O God. They cannot trust in You without Your saving them. Open their eyes that they may believe in God and in His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio with this message entitled, The Way of Salvation. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.